Evening coaches, welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, uh, Daily Sports, and um, we've got uh, Daniel Seledger again and Mark Dorn, two familiar faces throughout the club season. Very welcome, lads. Very, very welcome. Um, you, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant game of football, lads. Uh, so much to talk about. I don't, I don't know where to start, but um, Daniel, probably you know, Glenn, over the course of 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 the last year, even going back as far as the as the probably the what the what they would have felt was. You know, a very, very difficult final to lose in those circumstances. Like having beaten Kilmacott, I suppose a massive amount of pressure. Daniel was on the team today, got into the game, and I felt maybe that they definitely weren't themselves with the amount of ball they gave away in that first half. What was what was your take on that, and and how do you think mentally, you know that that was how difficult that was mentally for the Glen players? Yeah, it, it is. It must have been extremely, extremely hard not to let the noise seep in, like you know, because. It was very hard to see them losing, you know, from the outside anyway. And and no matter how like no matter how much you say, I, I think we had a we had an experience. Remember that in twenty seventeen we played London and we were saying like convincing yeah. ourselves that it was going to be a tight contest, but there's a history there that lets yourself lets yourself get you get you get brought into kind of a safety net, you know. And Ken McCode was probably such a, a big one for them after last year and that that it was there's probably a massive down after it. So, Look, a couple of things like from the outset. I mean, the fact the game was played at all. I mean, like I'm half an hour from Pro Park here, and the windows were coming in on top of me. Like the the weather conditions were absolutely disgusting. And I thought, to be fair to both teams, I thought the quality was really, really good. Um, the like, God, the first half, I I thought it was far too loose from Glenn's point of view. I I thought they played into played into Bridges' hands a little bit. They, like Bridges probably sat in and counterattacked a little bit, and I know we've discussed this before, and we'll probably go into more detail later. But when Glenn pushed five, six, seven, eight men into the full forward line, and there was an occasion in the first half where that turnover came, and it was a goal yeah. chance for Glenn O'Carroll, and I think uh, Michael Warnock did an unbelievable job with a two-on-one. He managed to slow both men enough, and that was a massive turning point. But um, look, it, it was it was I thought it was a phenomenal game. I think Glenn probably. They, they they got out of jail, but there was just big moments uh, at at the right times for Glenn. Like the the goal we one one before half time was huge, you know. Connor Glass just deciding to turn into like a a senior playing under twelves and kind of just take the game with a scruff of the neck and 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 get that goal when they needed it, you know. It was um, I thought it was a fantastic final. And look, you know, we, we'll probably discuss Maliki O'Rourke and and Ryan Porter a bit much bit more later, but I mean. Like talk about coaching. I mean, it's easy to go into to go into let's say the carries of the Dublins and and win all Ireland's, but to have Monaghan where he had them for as long, and 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 to have the, the job he's done with Len over the last couple of years is is phenomenal coaching, really and truly. So, um, yeah, hats off to Glenn. I think I'm happy for them because after last year they were they were, I thought they were very good last year as well, and and probably deserving. I think deserving winners this year. Yeah, and Mark Daniel talked about the the weather conditions before the game. I was sort of thinking, you know, this could be a cagey, low scoring affair, uh, a lot of mistake. But by God, you know, the players handled the conditions so well, and there seemed to be a strong breeze blowing into the canal. And that's what I was sort of gathering from the TV. Like, but there was some brilliant, brilliant scores. You know, from from uh, Glenn in the first half, one from McFall at the top of the day as well was outstanding. Like, but but certainly, Mark, with the weather conditions and that, we we surprised with the quality of the game. Yeah, no, yeah, probably you say yes, but if you think about it, I remember even the Ulster final, I remember the day Glenn played Scotstown in Athletic Drive, it was a wild day that day too. Now, when I know when I read Pro Park, Glenn actually went on the field and they were checking it, the ball, it seemed as the breeze was blowing straight down into the hill, and then, just literally before the game, it seemed to change into a cross-field breeze, but look, come back to the game the game was absolutely brilliant and I think if you think is it everything you think of the one-to-one defending it had there was instances like I remember Tane and Flanagan one-on-one stood him up Daniel's already ta- made a brilliant block Daniel's talked about the the Michael Warnick holding a 2v1 you thought certain goal um, like the Kiaha Mulholland block the Ryan Dugan dispossess and Ben O'Connell Ben O'Carroll down the corner there were so many good things like one 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 v one and look we are very everybody's very critical now are very quick to critical our game how poor it is and say this like I don't care what anybody says the le- the level of club football this year has been outstanding and look, I think now I know people say oh twenty years ago fifteen years ago football far better it's nowhere near the level of football that we're playing at the minute. Mark, Mark, funny you should say that. I would. I had a phone call from a journalist boy in the Irish Independent. There, I'd say way before Christmas, and we was talking about the quality of the game, the state of the game. 
And, you know, there's a mass hysteria, people coming out and going, oh, it's in a bad place, bad place. But I actually say then that club football for me has actually, you know, so, as you said, the standards have improved, the coaching has improved, the quality of the games have improved. Like, and senior club teams now are preparing the county teams, but surely the game is evolving a wee bit. And I think this year at the county level, you will see a lot more of sort of man-to-man. I think I think a prime example of that was last night in the McKenna Cup final, where you had a Donegal team that came out, they played 15 men behind the ball, they decided they were going to sit in. And Derry just, it was death by a thousand Cut cuts. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, and, and and that's not going to work anymore, Mark. That's not going to no. Because teams are that look teams are that well coached now. Ten years ago, it was different. Fifteen behind the ball, and it was like, what do we do now? But teams are that well coached now, getting depth and posting and through lanes and stuff and backdoor cuts. Like it's it is, and to be fair, look, it's it just is the game has now changed the game. But you're still going to get look. It's I still believe like you watch soccer or you watch basketball, and you lose the ball, everybody's a defender still. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're, like, you're just making it hard. But the difference is now when everybody now has the ball, they're going to attack. And I think the game, it's far, far more enjoyable. Like the game I, I the think day, as well, Mark, I want to, I want your opinion on this, Mark, and uh, Daniel, right? So I, I'm not a Liverpool fan, far from it. Like, But I heard Jurgen Klopp's interview there on, on Twitter or Sky Sports where he talked about when we played Manchester United, our counter-press wasn't where it was meant to be. So... He says the following week in West Ham, we counter-pressed it. We got this here, blah, blah, blah. So what he means by the counter-press is that when he turns the ball over, he's pressing high and hard straight away. I thought Glenn's counter-press today, particularly in that last 10 minutes, lads, was absolutely outstanding. Like Whenever they got that ball turned over, there was fours and fives and sixes hunting in packs high up the field. And I know, Daniel, you talk about that risk and reward. But Mark, that's an element of the game you wouldn't have seen four or five years ago because everyone wanted to turn, filter back. And run back, yeah. And, you know. and to be fair, Glenn, that's something Glenn are really good at. To be fair, the day it took him maybe to the 53rd, 54th minute before yeah. they did yeah. it. Maybe they were just, I don't know where Glenn looked. Maybe there's a wee bit of complacency creeped into their play, but it was only in the last six or seven. And you could feel in Crook Park, their supporters were getting edgy. And it just, it seemed to, whereas in the first 45, it seemed if Glenn were just comfortable, not wanting to, as if it was going to happen. And I tell you, actually, like they kicked four four bad ways. Kenrick Fall two, Joey McDermott, and Steve O'Hara hit a bat. And you've thought yeah. then, Glenn's running out of ideas here. And I tell you what it was: yeah. Michael Warnock kicked a point from under Hogan's stand that brought them. Brilliant and Michael, score. to be fair, Warnock, Spaken yeah. has been probably one of our best players all year. And the day he got a real toasting, to yeah. be fair, he still was brave enough to come up and kick the point. And I think that was a vital score. Got Glenn back up, give him a wee bit of lift because it were a wee bit flat up until that. But see the minute that score, you could just see Glass and Abra, they were roaring and squealing the boy to get up, get up there. And then for that next mm-hmm. 12 minutes, it just went on a real high press squeezing. And if you're thinking yeah. it's 1-3 three to score, like a 1-3 yeah. out of that. Whereas it, it they, they usually are good at it, but the day it took them a wee while just to get into their into their thread where it was complacency or look, you just, maybe because some bridges were that good at times, but when Glenn did really squeeze, they went after him, like they went and squeezed hard and pressed high and it, look, I've got the risk reward, 1-3 in the last eight minutes. Yeah, Daniel, that, that press that Mark's talking about there, I noticed it again, the Glenties in the semi-final of Ulster, uh, Scottstown as well, you know, they've obviously added another, people associate Glenn with being defensive, but they're actually, they're actually not that defensive, you know, they can be, they can be defensive and I watched them in Nuri against Kilmacud where Warnock was superb and Shane Walsh and McFall doubling up and you know I thought today you know he was probably a bit exposed and maybe that's a Crow Park factor too Daniel it's a harder pitch to play and get cover on and, and double up but Ben O'Carroll was sensational Daniel uh, I thought he gave Michael Warnock a real difficult day and when Dugan went on it was a significant moment so probably posing two questions to you here like Glenn's high press is that a trait that you think you'll see further in the year for county teams and defensively like would would that have been a change? You would have made a bit earlier when Warnock was was under was under pressure. Yeah, and I I think teams have to have the flexibility to be able to at times sense the energy in a game and you might need to squeeze high, and then at other times you need to maybe sense right we need to sit in a small bit more. And I think that flexibility is probably what teams need to have. Like every team has to defend, every team has to attack. That's just a fact of the game. You know, you can't avoid either of them. And I think that. To pigeonhole yourself into one way of playing, as in one way of defending, either way is probably a bit naive. And I think I, I, that's something I, I love with Len and the top teams like Len and Crocs can do it at times as well, where they'll hit you for 10, 15 minutes really hard in your half of the field. And you go in at half time, maybe, and you're, you're spending the 10 minutes at half time trying to figure out how to break that press. And then they might drop off you for 10 minutes after half time and your, your team talk yeah. is wasted. And I, I think you need that flexibility. Um, and I thought Len did it really well. But I, I, I think. 
I like I, I I do agree there was probably maybe not complacency, but there was probably an element of not wanting to lose it early. And I I I, I think that didn't suit that I don't think that suited Glenn that much. And and it kind of led to some nervous turnovers around the middle third, which I think had the knock on effect then of, of Warnock and, and O'Carroll getting left one on one so often. So like a lot of the time <laughs> your your cornerbacks, your fullbacks get the they kind of get the, the blame for a lot of these things. But I thought sometimes he was left in an awful lot of space from it's not silly turnovers, but unusual turnovers because there's a lot of static ball around the middle third where usually Glenn are so good at breaking lines, getting movement across the D, getting movement across the 45. I thought that was lacking a small bit for the first maybe 40-ish minutes. But um, it, and, and credit to him because it, it's very hard to get out of that slumber sometimes. When you're in that as a team, it's very hard to switch on that energy that Mark was talking about. And it takes some big moments. Like I, that, that block, that block for, uh, about maybe 40 minutes in was huge. Like there was a massive turning point. And it was, you could just feel a, a sense of energy twisting around. And, and again, we talked about Dugan going off the last day and Paul Mannion coming into the game. Well, when he went on to Ben O'Carroll and he had a turnover on him in the far left-hand corner beside the hill, and it was just a massive energy giver. And we talked the last day about um, the support cast of, of Bridget's needing to come up and help O'Carroll. And ultimately, in the second half, that didn't happen. And I thought Bridget's had their warning against Castlehaven, where a good first half and went into retreat yeah. mode. I thought, I thought yeah. they were lucky to beat Castlehaven. And today they didn't get away with it nearly, but they didn't get away with it. And look, it's I, I, I the big thing there is I think the the Warnock and, and you mentioned it, Mark already. The the balls to have that impact on a game, having not had the best of times back in the other half of the field, I think shows yeah. that shows the evolution of the footballer. Like your cornerback back then is getting whipped after forty minutes otherwise, mm -hmm. but this lad stays on, he goes up the field and has a massive impact. Like that's it. Actually, it, it actually Daniel probably worked out both ways for them because when Dugan went on to. Uh, ben O'Carr mm -hmm. had actually freed Warnock up then to to get forward, and he is he is a good footballer. They're all good footballers, and and like the two Mulholland's Mark had an off day. Like Glenn had a lot of players yeah, well, you, who underperformed. Yeah, underperformed, but yeah. you have to remember, you know, Holland pulled his calf muscle fifteen minutes into the game. They right started okay. without they started without Jack Doherty. They lost yeah. Connor Carvel. Like they did, there was a lot yeah. of stuff. There was a lot of stuff went again in the day. Yeah. And, and, the, and the mark, and also mark, they're coming off the back of a massive win against Kilmacud. Massive, yeah. Win look, to make no mistake, like two weeks ago, we were in Yuri, we've seen their land supporters rushing onto the field. And it was like, I know Malachi Rourke said in an interview after there's no cups handed out, but there's bound to be in a play, uh, Mod's head thinking, We've done it, we've done it. And that does maybe, you know, it does seep in a wee bit, yeah. But look, to, and look, they were a wee bit, they were a wee bit flat today, like some bridges, and it looked to be fair. If you were St. Bridges manager all week, it was very easy to motivate. Everything was like it's a very easy motivation task this week to get your play. Not that you need to get up for a final, but like it was a you're going into a final completely written now. I think they would see the one outsiders. And look, to well, I, think, I, think, I think as well, I don't want to sound more condescending. I don't want us to sound condescending towards St. Bridges. St. Bridges are a good side, a very, well, you very don't good get the, side. Well, you, don't get the, you don't get the Alarm no. Club final unless you are a good team. But it, it was yeah, probably just there's seven, there's seven or eight, there's seven or eight common players. Just something Daniel you touched on is interesting, Mark. Like, like Eddie Nolan, I worked with Eddie for a season. Eddie's a fucking seriously good footballer. And I remember playing Dublin in the National League in 2021, and Eddie Mark Brian Brian Fenton. And I'm telling you now, he gave him his fill of it, like, you know, if not more. And Eddie's a real competitive, competitive player. Big Canaan in the middle, Daniel, as well. And they won a fair few kickouts today in the first half, Mark, you know. And that had an yeah. element of putting pressure on the, on the Glen team as well because oh, they the, pressed high in Yeah, well, you, well you, you look at Kill McCod, and I think we talked about this here. Like, Kill McCod, uh, and I don't probably say this, Kill McCod obviously didn't analyse Glen very well because you know the Glen's the one team you can't give the ball to and to be fair to St Bridges they went after Glen yeah. to kick out pressed everything yeah. but on the flip yeah. side Glen are really good at pressing the ball and to be fair in the last 15-20 minutes like Connor's last caught ball after ball or punched it or it was breaking there was Glen players swarming around it so look in that sense both teams done a lot of work on each other but to be fair if you're calling look if calling a speed of speed St Bridges probably four up thought yes we'll see this game out but I do think when Warnock's point kick kicked the point. The big point was Callum Hull went off a black yard and you thought yeah. Glenn are down to 14 in the forge. But the first he was only trouble. on the field. He was only on the field 30 seconds. Game was back to draw and the block he made. Like it was that's I think that's the game. Yeah. That's the point that won the game. He made it. Callum Hull would be a super, super defender. But we talked about Michael Warnock. Michael Warnock played all the football for Glenn at underage at wing half forward. And it actually I think they played slot Neil in 2019 and they got beat or getting well beat and whoever's managing to say it's moving back to cornerback and he's never been out of there since. So he is 
he played all his football at going by, but we mentioned on Ryan Duggan, like and to be fair, we met Ben O'Carr. Like if you think we talked about the one to one defender, but remember the to Bridges goal, like Ben O'Carr, the back door cut. Like it's just unbelievable. You. I was just oh. I was just gonna come I was just gonna come that Mark. You know, you know, watching the game, right? And I honestly, genuinely watching the game. I could nearly see what was going to happen. like, And it's so hard to defend against because he looked disinterested, looked disinterested, was drifting towards the sideline and then bang, the backdoor cut. And like that, that's, you can obviously coach that. There's there's certainly an element, Daniel, that you can coach that, right? But there's obviously Daniel as well, a massive instinctive nature in a player of his quality to be able to do those things. Like, I I, I, I thought like we were, we were talking about evolution earlier, evolution in the game. Like I was thinking at the time, just as it was happening, as, as you were saying, you can you could almost see it happen. Obviously we're up high and you can see the spaces and all yeah. that. You, how many times if you're in a corner like that with probably an offensive underload, would you turn around, come out, and recycle? That's what, yeah. That, yeah. like, like I know myself, all of our teams. If you even got a sniff being on the sideline in the twenty-one, you're turning around and you're getting back out of there. Like that was never in the British player players' heads. Like, and you could see O'Carroll could could sense it. Like, you know, and I, I think that's yeah. a little revolution of the game, and and even. Even the goal for Glass, like there was there was that element of bravery. The free kick wasn't great, but they took it on. And even Glass shooting yeah. from twenty five meters out again, it's a it's a bit unorthodox. You probably how many players just kind of chip a point there, like you know that sort of way. I think there is and Daniel. Daniel, I'd love to watch that back because I actually think Glass actually produced a cut for that move. I actually think he drove towards the sideline and cut back into the space to take the ball over his shoulder on the run, you know, for the goal. Like because the goalkeeper had come out to actually guard the space for the little pop pass into the corner yeah, he, he and then he was caught that, yeah. and Glass sort of just, you know, play that move. But funny, Daniel, like about about an hour after the match, there was TG Carr was still on the TV and the two girls were watching it and there was a ladies basketball match on. And like it's mad when you look at the movement of basketball teams, it was a high high uh, elite game and you're watching the cuts, you're watching the screening, you're watching, you know, how they overload one side of the attack and then hopefully get the ball across and someone driving to the, to the basket. And Gaelic football has probably learned an awful lot from basketball when you're coming up against zonal advances and clogged systems. like and, and that's obviously something, Daniel, that, you know, lazy coaching is probably, you know, just get your team set up, right, blah, 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 we're back here. But really, really hard to coach is that breaking down an opposition's defence. Would you agree, like? Yeah, I think so, and it's probably why I think the club game is is, is slightly more on a, is on a different path to the county game. Even like you see county managers, like your 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 stage one of when you go in as a county manager is to get a team set up defensively. That's your first that's your first building block. Like it takes probably two or three years of working on layers of forward play because forward play is really hard. So you you might not necessarily have instinctive forward. So you have to coach and coach and coach and coach, and that that can be extremely tricky. Whereas with the club game, like. You, this Malik is going into his third year now. Obviously, dealing with really good players as well. Like it, it it's. I, I think it's 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 much harder to coach long term forward play than it is. Um, I think in the county game, it's so cutthroat that you have to just get wins. It's all about wins. Where I think there's a little bit more scope for something more club game, but it's um like I I I, th I think you're seeing these little nuances, and I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the element of the extremely good player in a club team has the freedom to do these things a little bit more like you know you see Clifford with Kerry maybe the odd player with Dublin but they have they don't care what happens there's no kind of um, there's no consequences for them doing something you know and you see a little bit more of that with the club you know there's there's there, there were shots today maybe that mightn't have been taken on in a division two or three league final or something like that or a championship game you know and I think I think that's only for the better but it was um yeah, I, I thought I thought we saw some, especially in the first half. I thought the forward play, the, the forward play from Bridget's in the first first half, I thought was top class. And in the second half, I thought that Glenn's dominance came from a different type of forward play, but it's kick out press, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Mark, Daniel talked about the forward play St. Bridges. Like kicking, kicking is obviously a huge important part of St. Bridges' game. Uh, you know, it's it's probably in risk common football in the DNA as well. They like to kick the ball, the Smiths, the Murders, these guys, like they're real creative players, style of football that they, they like to play. But probably Crow Park suited Bridges today too, in that respect. You know, that it's a faster field, it plays faster, and there was some brilliant passes to play. How good, Dorney, is Ben O'Carroll, in your opinion? Uh, to be fair, like the, the first day, today's the first day I really got a good look at it. It's just movement. I look, you'd actually love a cat if you were say you were a club or even an underage team you'd love to have a video behind the goals or a cameraman behind the goals and taking the fours and just showing this movement like a Michael Warnick like I like more time I was looking sitting in the Hogan stand middle tier just looking down Michael Warnick sitting in 50 yards of face in front of him 30 each side and I think he was left with an impossible job yeah. and it was just his movement and like Michael Warnick was doing it but just Ben O'Carr's movement like four and five runs not one how often do you see under eight players make one run there they'll get the ball a stat 
Like stuff, his yeah. run and spinning, it was just unreal. I actually felt far sorry for Warnick. Now, to be fair, a couple of times in playing, did you double up like four? But Ben O'Carroll was still coming out with the ball. But to give you a different exactly when Blaine moved after the goal, the backdoor cut the goal, he set the goal up. I think it was for Brian Derwin. He set the goal up right away. Blaine made the switch. Dougie onto him. Now, Dougie was left still in the same type of space as Warnick. But Dougie, I, like I have seen, I look, I heard before I went into Derry this year, I heard about this Brian Dugan. I didn't, I have seen him this year. So like, he has took so many big men out yeah. of him. He won a ball under the Hogan stand. And yes, like he, and he, but you could see that in his face, Ben O'Carroll. He was in his face, just he was pumped. And I look, like, I know if I was Mickey Hart, you'd be doing everything in your power to try and get him in. But it just, it just showed how good a defender he is. But he's also, he didn't do as much today. He's also good at driving forward. But like in the first half in Bridges, I think that's different. Bridges, I think they've won wide the whole game. Now, yeah. to be fair, Glenn had a, like a wild lot of bad, yeah. very unlikely. Glenn's. Probably you're looking at their shot fishing, he's always up around 75 80. I would say it was well, well down today. But look, they still won the game. You have to give them serious, serious character. Like, but Mark, again, Mark. Danny Tallon, Danny Tallon was very pretty. Brian Stack, brilliant, brilliant defender. Danny got it really, really tight. But Danny came up yeah. with one big moment the turnover down the lane, and that's from the goal conference last. Go ahead, Dan. How, like the, the value of a defender being able to defend on an island on his own is unbelievable. Like, I mean, if you're if you have two or three of your full back line who need cover constantly, like that's a worry. Like you could leave Dubin one on one, I'd say, yeah. against a lot of players and be not like obviously you're not trying to hang him out to drive, but you're comfortable that if if a breakdown happens, he's not he's gonna hold his own up there. He's going to manage like I mean that frees up McFall or frees up Lassie up the field. Like it's such a valuable asset from a coach's point of view. You're talking Mickey Hart. Like Imagine you you had Dugan sitting in band, Chrissy McCaig sitting back in there. Right, boys, take out two. Danny two counties best forwards. You just do a job on them. Like I mean, it's it's such a valuable asset, and, and you don't see much of it anymore. You don't see many lads that are able to defend in that much space. No, yeah, you don't. You see lads as well. There, like you're talking about, just from a defensive point of view. Like we're looking at the scores today. I've just got it here in front of me. There's 15 different scores today, lads. 15 different scores. Glenn, Glenn had seven different scores, uh, you know, including including three defenders. Uh, St. Bridges the same. Falloon uh, or Fallon from St. Bridges, the right half back. Like he got in for two brilliant scores as well. Like the flexibility in football now, and this is something that go back to the whole, you know, doom and gloom that surrounds football. Like 15 different scores. Like would you have got that, you know, 20 years ago? Would you have got your wing backs, your cornerbacks coming forward? Absolutely not, lads. Like it, it does go to show like the huge flexibility and, and, and the quality of, of footballers now, lads. It really does. You, you know yourself, you were playing facing a club and even at county level, like that the corner there's a cornerback, give him the ball, let him have the ball. You can't do that anymore. No. You know, no. you don't look for years you just said let him have the ball, let him he'll, you can't do that anymore. Like it's just the flexibility of players. Every player has come from the ball, and that's when we go back. Football now is far, far better than it was twenty years ago. What's your view, Daniel? Yeah, no, I agree. And and the, the club championship is interesting because it had the dynamic that every club that's came out of a county has success. Do you know what I mean? So they're coming out of their county having won something. They're not like you. You go to a championship game where you could have a, a division three team who's had a brutal league playing. Uh, mid -tier, yeah. mid tier division one team and it's only ever going to be one way whereas which, when you're playing your first round of Ulster or second rounds of, of Ulster whatever or Lancaster whatever it is you have teams that actually have had a really good year like you know you win a county final you've had a fantastic year so it's I think it adds a whole a, a different dynamic than you probably get with the county stuff as well and and it, I, I just can't emphasize how bad the conditions were today like I've seen a lot worse games at Croke Park yeah. county games a lot worse county games at Croke Park with perfect conditions like I thought I just I can't emphasize how Good, I thought, like handling, scoring, kick passing, like I thought, I thought it was just on a different level. St. St. Brid St. Bridges' hand pass in the run in the first half was exceptional. Like the pa every pass was crisp, but the thing about every hand pass, every hand pass was in front of a man to run under. There was never a pass sideways. It was never ever. It was just I thought their first half, their hand pass was just uh, like off the charts. Lads, we're obviously going to talk, you know, at, at greater length about Connor Glass, about the impact of Malachi Rourke and Ryan Porter. But I think it's important. You mentioned him earlier, Mark. There was a great interview with Brian Stack before the game. You know, a real gentleman, a real proper, you know, a real diehard Kiltoom St. Bridges man. You know, I, I just listened to him before the game where he talked about the, the St. Bridges team that won in All-Ireland and he was watching it as a young boy and stuff. And, and like, how difficult, lads, is it going to be for those lads to lift themselves? Now, the one consolation, I suppose, and it's probably not the night for them boys to talk about it, but... 
the last three beaten finalists have come back to win it the following year. I think I think we're talking about Kilku lost to Cora Finn and then came back and, and beat Kilmacud. Kilmacud, uh, Glenn were beaten by uh, Kilmacud and came back to win it. Who's the third? Who was the third team? It was, no, it was Kilmacud, Kilku and Glenn. Kilmacud, Kilku and Glenn. Apologies, yeah. Kilmacud, Kilku and Glenn. So you're, you're sort of looking at, yes, because Kilku beat Kilmacud, you're right, and and then Kilku or Kilmacud beat Glenn. Sorry, apologies. So there's probably a wee bit of sort of solace in the fact that they were brilliant in, in Roscommon. They had, they absolutely destroyed Cora Finn uh, in, in, in Connacht, playing a great brand of football, and surely they will, they'll be back. Will, will they? They'll be back? Well, look, at their age profile, you'd say they'll be back. And that, that's the first time I've seen Brian Stack up close in a long time. Like he's, he's just, again, you're talking about that one-to-one defending. He's just, he's brilliant at it. But look, but Mark, Mark, very... you're talking about Warnick. Mark, you're talking about Warnick. Brian Stack won the Sigerson Cup with DCU playing wing forward. Right. And, and, and Evan Evan Coverford was a goal because I remember saying to him before he played double M and Coverford Cluxon had retired that year, Daniel. Mm. And I remember saying to Staggy, you, you played with him, you played with him in, in college, mm. and he was like, Look, more or less, Comerford used to say, just move and I'll find you. You know, he had that Comerford obviously had that arrogance, that swagger, but he was playing wing forward. He says all we had to do was move. So he's gone from wing forward right. to, to to full back and has become a fucking really, really impressive full back, Daniel. Really impressive. He um he I'd say he's a nightmare to mark. Like I mean, he's got athleticism nearly of a midfielder, and he's got he's very comfortable on the ball as well. And and like he, as Mark has alluded to, a couple couple of Glen lads, very comfortable kind of getting forward as well. Like the first play today, he was up in the full forward line. You know, he, he scored. He put them in front. Like he's a he's just a, he's just a, a really competent footballer. You know, and and going back to the like the age profile, it's interesting. I think. Consistency of management would probably be a big thing for Bridges. Like it, it's it's keeping the same thing going because they they clearly have a, a nice recipe for success. Like if you have a different management team going in there trying to put their own stamp and do different things. Like I, I was thinking of let's say Crokes this year, they they could have a new manager and they're starting from scratch again. And you go back to you go back to everyone on trial. You know it's it's a it's it's you're you're kind of starting from the bottom of the hill a little bit. Um, but it's it's I, I I the age profile thing is really important for Bridges, like because I think they did show a bit of naivety throughout the year in the games I saw that that comes with being younger players. Like I mean, that's only something that'll come with experiences. And as you said, like every losing finals for the last two years has came back. So I don't see any reason. Like again, a lot depends on the draw. I mean, they definitely had a nicer route to an All Ireland final than like you look at what you look at what Glenn went through this year. Like Jesus Christ, I mean the yeah. game that's come through, even like getting out of Derry and, and getting out of Ulster, like was absolutely attritional. And then you face Crokes for your for, for your treat coming out I of suppose, Ulster. I suppose Daniel will talk about that, right? And and Dorney, let's let's talk about this then. So how many games did Glenn, you know, this year, uh Glenty's last minute, uh, you know, last kick of the game Emmett Bradley, Scottstown. Two down, get into the get into the stretch, pulled it out of the fire. Um, coming into the the, the game against uh, Kilmacud, obviously you know it's it's in the mix. All of a sudden, Kilmacud out of nowhere, our level still come back in and injury time, kick one one. Like so, there's got to be an element of psychology in that. Okay, there's got to be an element of mental toughness, but there's also got to be a huge element of physical fitness as well, and and the job that Ryan Border has done from a conditioning point of view, which was noted today by 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 Captain Connor Carville on the steps. Yeah, look, the boy, and to be fair, I know from talking to a couple of Slot Neil boys, the county boys, they would tell you that Glenn boys, Porter, like, is just off the charts. He's he's unreal. I remember the first time I came up again, I think actually came up again him was, he was in with Brian MacGyver for two years with Donegal, and that's the first time I ever hear tell of him. And then, to be fair, he looked, Malik wrote in, took him in the morning, but just always sticks to me when I'm talking to like, Shane McGuigan or Chris here, Brent Rogers, I always say, Connor Glass says this, a reporter, or says this, or says this. And to be fair to Malik wrote, you listen to Malik wrote in an interview, he never does an interview without referring to Ryan Porter. And look, to be fair, it, it doesn't come by accident. In the last 10, 12 minutes, they're still going strong. And look, even the Derry Championship this year, they played seven group games. Then they're ta- they always seem to finish strong and they're going strong at the end. But to be fair, he has got them just at the right time. And they look, the right course speaks for itself. And when you hear players referring to him just as a genius, best coach in Ireland, and it, I think that speaks. I mean, the thing I think, like, Slot Neil and Glenn would be rivals, but Slot Neil players would be telling me that the Glenn boys, how good, how good Ryan Porter is. And like, to be fair, you can't argue with the record he has. And the players. Sorry, you hardly I, ever you, know, you hardly ever hear him talking there. You I don't know have I I don't know if I've ever seen an interview from Ryan Porter. He yeah, just seems yeah. to 
Yeah, I know Ryan McManaman described him, and it sort of it sort of kickstarted it probably his, his profile. Ryan McManaman described him as one of the best coaches in Ireland when he was with their Moore Mark, and and mm. that obviously probably kickstarted you know his, his his profile. But but Daniel, just on what Mark said there, he struck up a great relationship with Malaghy. And, you know, the two of them obviously have worked very closely together. Malachi is very placid, very calm. You know, he, he seems to be a man that, that's hugely respected. He seems to be a man that's in control and, and a very knowledgeable man in the game as well. But obviously having that relationship and that dynamic in any management team, Daniel, is important. Would you agree? Yeah, and, and they definitely they don't last. If, if you're if you're not getting on well, you don't last as long as those. And, and sorry, Daniel, sorry for cutting your word. Probably the word trust, you know, yeah, there's a huge yeah. element of trust with each other, you know. Absolutely, like I, I'd say, they're probably both of them are like the one mouth almost when they're talking. You know, I'd, I'd imagine they're they'd, they'd be saying a lot of the same things, and whether it's tactically or in drills or whatever it might be, like it's, I, it's, I think it's pivotal to an overall group because, especially from let's say Maliki's always head man, let's say, I mean, even if that he's not going to try and refresh and find someone new and develop develop a new relationship, like it, I can imagine it's it's quite tough trying to go into a, a group of players as it is a new group of players without having a new coach or a new selector or whatever it is. And like, I kind of, I've, I've been learning about it the last couple of years. I mean, you have your own way of doing things like you really do. And and not everyone aligns themselves with it. Like, and it's, it might just be the, the small little intricacies of, of, of your, how you deal with players or maybe standards you might have, like different coaches will have different standards. And I, I think like Maliki comes across as a manager that I think I want to play for. I think he, controls himself how he handles himself in the media there's no bullshit there's no limelight like like same reporter you don't really hear a whole lot from them um i know you would have tried to have a cut off and down in carlo in 2017 but like doesn't rise to that kind of he doesn't rise to that kind of stuff you know but um no i i i think that i think they're fantastic there's a relationship there and as you say trust is huge and it shows i think it shows and i think players have a real respect for them and i think that comes across and ultimately like when you can have tactics and all the rest of it and, and your systems, but if your players aren't playing for you as a manager, as a coach, as a selector, whatever it is, if that dynamic isn't working, it doesn't matter what you have. And I think I think you can very clearly see there's a fantastic dynamic between players and management. And you could see that in Monaghan as well. Like I mean, he yeah. he the same group of lads absolutely dying for that jersey for years, like which which is I think is a, a really good sign of the man, you know. So he's um yeah, I think he has to be up there as one of the top top end coaches, but Porter and uh, let's say as a group, because you just you don't stay in the game this long as it evolves and be as successful as they were unless you really, really know your stuff. Mark, you've come up against them. Well, we really all have come up against them. I suppose uh, you know we, we come up against them Daniel as well in, in 2017 and, and like you know, I, I've spoke to Malachi quite a bit on the phone and he leaves no stone unturned and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this tonight, Like, but even to the extent of a number of years ago when Paul Falloon was refereeing them in the Ulster Club Championship and he'd never come across Paul's refereeing style before, he just made a phone call to ask me, like, you know, what, what do you expect from Paul? Will he let it flow? And, like, that's some detail to begin into, you know, as a manager. And obviously we're all doing it, like, but, you know, he obviously seems to be a very humble man that he doesn't really care about, you know what anyone's opinion is it's just about the group the dynamics and even when he was announced today and and I thought there was a great moment Mark when Carville was up there and he was singing his praises and it looked down at him and he was nearly nearly embarrassed with the praise oh. like you know and I, I tell you the truth I just think he's a fucking wonderful fella like I think he's a brilliant man Maliki like brilliant yeah man. but look I know from the two years spent I remember in Bally Bay and Paul I just remember a conversation with Paul Finley Paul Finley just couldn't speak highly enough of him and you think you think of the record he has, like he took Tully, I think his first managing job was Tully Holland and Monaghan, third division team, took him to Division 1, left them, went to Loop, who hadn't won a championship in 70 odd years, won a championship, um, won an Ulster title, left the Loop, I think then he went to, took Monaghan Division 3, won a Division 3 title, won an Ulster title, won Division 2, were beat, both beaten in Ulster final, took him to Division 1, won an Ulster title and then kept him there for three more years, left Monaghan, Went to, I think it was Cavan Gales for a year, won a league, then went to Fermanagh, probably the closest Fermanagh ever got to win an Ulster Tateman, they beat by Armagh a replay, and now he's ended up in Glen again, didn't want a championship. Now, I know Glen had the players, he made the players and stuff, but he just seems, wherever he goes, it seems to be a wee sprinkle of gold. And I do believe, and I, I noticed, I do believe he will manage to run next season if things don't go yeah, well. You, you've, you've said that before, and you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's obviously for another show. We're gonna we're gonna go into a national mm. podcast in a few weeks, hopefully, uh, which will be brilliant for for the coaches in the in the daily group. But 
Um, it's maybe not. It's maybe not a night for 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 writing the obituaries for for Logan and Doher just yet. Like, but, yeah, but look, <laughs> to be fair, we go back to Mali, just no, no, but I, but I know, I know, Mark, exactly what you said. Look, put it like this, Mark. If the down job was available, like Jesus, you would love a man, you know. And like, it, like you know, I, I don't believe. Well, Daniel said one of the. I think at the minute he's up there with the top four or five managers ever. Oh, he is unquestionably. He is. Oh, just funny, yeah. and I know out there. Yeah. Yeah. I know I, we came up again this year in the semi-final of the Derry Championship but at half time it was 3-2 and it was hot and heavy I learned the line and maybe I it was fucking I learned that Mark you're, very, Mark you're normally very quiet and placid along the line by what what would have happened you were hot and heavy at that just, just <laughs> a wee bit Paul, but I always just remember an interview after he'd done an interview after maybe I was, was hot there's always learning and at half time I remember I was probably hyped and I went into the change room and hating boys too and maybe I just remember after the game playing on the game by two and I remember after the interview and he says look it was time for Cam Heads and like you just you know, there's a learning there's not only player learning for players but yeah. there's learning for managers yeah. and coaches well, and every and it just well, I just that's an interesting one there you say right so I, I don't want to go off track because we've got we've got a couple of wee things I want to talk about before we wrap up right but I was listening to I was down to Tipperary yesterday I was driving down and listening to two podcasts right and one of them was Roy Keane's podcast and he talked about him and Gary Neville he talked about how Alex Ferguson didn't go into the cheese rooms an awful lot Okay, he didn't go in, he didn't, and he might have come in and ranted and raved after the defeat, but he didn't go in awful lot, Daniel, and he left it to a lot of player empowerment, right? And he says, like, you used to you used to stand up, Roy, and speak, and he was like, oh, I didn't really say too much, I just used to say, remember who we are, remember what we represent, we're Man United, and I suppose, like, it helps us well massively in a changing room when you have leaders like Warnock, like Glass, you know, like Bradley, like real, real leaders, like, and that that that's a massive, massive advantage in any changing room. But but is it is it lads? And this is the question I have because obviously coaches in the in the group are going to be listening to this tonight. Do managers and coaches maybe spend too much time in the changing rooms and too much talking? Like it's an interesting one, you know. Yeah, well, I would, depends on the group. Depends on the group. I think it depends if you. If you have a you look leader, four or five good strong leaders in there, yep, you can spend less time. But you know yourself, you go into a group maybe and it's very, very quiet. Yeah. You know, there's places yeah. just, I just think it depends on the group. What's your opinion, Daniel? I, I, I've kind of touched on this before and I think when as a manager you go into a group, you have to see who are the people who lead the group. So who do the rest of the group follow? So in in any group setting, whether it's a classroom, whether it's in a team, you'll probably have three or four lads who set a tone for the rest. <clears throat> now, those three or four lads could be setting a really good tone, a la Connor Glass, let's say, for example, or they could be, let's say, setting a tone that might be of negativity, or they could be setting a tone that could be completely off script. So you have to know very quickly what you're dealing with, who you're dealing with, and what is going to be said. So like, let's say you're, you're, you will use that example, Mark, of your game, and you're going in a point down, and you, something was obviously working for you for that first half that you were keeping it nice and tight. Some, let's say, leader in your group who you leave off to have a chat to the lad say, here, boys, fuck it. Let's just, let's just go all out. Let's just go off script totally. Let's go push up and kick outs. You can see two goals in the first 10 minutes, second half, game over. So you have to be very aware of who you have. And, and I think this is probably yeah. uh, Glenn's big advantage. I, I've, I've said this about Conor Glass before. He, he looks, there's a humility about him. I think he looks Absolutely. like he totally understands the game at certain periods in the game. So like when he needed a goal, he was he was able to find it. When he knew he needed to get back and defend, he was able to get that. And I think that's a sign of a really good leader. So I'd say a lot of what Malik can do is, is, is give him responsibility because he knows he's going to echo what he's thinking. Whereas you could have a different group and your leader could be number one trouble, you know? Yeah, yeah, lads. I go back. I go back to Tony. You would know this young lad, Connor Clark, uh, from Unraked, and I took him down to the All Star Trials all oh, years ago. Clarky twenty six now, is he twenty five? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, twenty six ten years ago, and Glass was playing in the same trial, and he was only seventeen. And I just remember even just the swagger of him, the way he played, the confidence, Daniel. But what you said there, Daniel, the humility. There was no ego about him. You know, he seemed to be a very level-headed lad. And I would say Australia probably even harnessed harnessed that even more, Daniel. You know, professional lifestyle, living the right way, looking after himself. This is probably a nice way to, to sort of conclude the show tonight. We'll have to talk about Connor Glass. Like he is a sensation since he's come back from Australia. Like I had a bit of a Twitter discussion with a couple of boys about the influence he's had back at the Ulster final last May and then I, I popped up again in December and I said look you know the same man still popping up with big big moments without doubt in my honest opinion lads he is the most influential footballer in Ireland right now Mark right yeah, now yeah look I and to be fair 
a couple of last year, a couple of years ago, I might have said, oh, I don't see him enough doing enough. I was only, I know last year been involved with Clare twice. We played Derry. It's the stuff he does off the ball. And then I know this year with Slot Neil, the stuff actually he does that no one sees going back and covering. But if you think just even this year for Glenn, the amount of big moments he's had. Glenn struggled. Kill McCall brought the game back to draw. Who's Connor's losses? Emma Bradley got one of three. Emma Bradley had a free under the stand part Esther. Connor Brass is squealing and everybody get up the field, get up the field, we're going to press the life out. Kill McCudd's short kick out. Who makes a turnover? Connor Glass, ball in net. The day, two or three balls, there's one ball he caught and I think he near took the head of Emmett Bradley. And then what really that next ball, big break, punched it forward, break. There's one couple of interceptions he made. The goal, he just looked at the he is at the minute the most. And look, he, he just has everything. He is. You think at the point he kicked in the first half even, Coming down the Cusick stand, right foot, right foot, turned on his left foot over the bar. He's just, look, he is everything. And he would be a manager's dream. He would be a club, any player's dream. He's just, he's a base of a man. And look, he just, he's the sort of player, if you're going to the trenches, you want a Connor last way. And he just, he, you just know he has your back. He'll do anything. And look, to be fair to him, he just, he deserves everything he gets because at the minute, he is the out and out standout midfielder in Ireland. But Daniel, even his interviews, they're they're phenomenal, you know. And he he's such he's such a humble guy. Like I go back to the Kilku game two years ago in the Ulster final, where God knows what was said and done to him. But he came out after it, and I mean, they wouldn't say nothing to anybody now. You're exactly. <laughs> but he came out after it. He says, "Look, you know, I think I think it was Ashley O'Reilly. I think it was Ashley at the time said to him hey, off the ball. You know, there's a lot of stuff went on there, and you know, it looked a bit a bit personal. And he says, "Look." I don't want to go into that, but some of those things that were said there today, look, it's, you know, I don't really want to go into it. But he could have easily come out and, and you know, let loose and stuff, but he just kept his dignity, kept his humility. Probably, you could probably say he's a terrific loser as well as a winner. And I don't mean that like this, Spouty, but he loses with grace and he wins with humility, you know, and I think that that's, that's just a sign of a real top person, isn't it, Daniel? Like, you know, real yeah, top guy. Yeah, I think so. And then, like, I, 15 years' time, I put my house in a managing dairy and being an extremely good manager. Like, I, I think I think he's a leader 100%. of people. You can, you can see it by him. Like, you know, and I, I, I'd say he's I, I'd say he's an on-field coach, as it is already. But, like, Mark talked about moments, you know. I mean, there was times you were looking at him doing things and you're like, Jesus Christ, that's not our final. Like, I mean, yeah. I, the goal just reminded me of a really big under-12. Like the way he caught the ball wasn't great, like, but he caught the ball right, just brushed off one lad, burst through a second lad, and just rattled it from about twenty five meters. Like it was literally. It was I, like, I actually it was, think it was Big Canaan, the midfielder, who was going to tackle him, and like he's a big man, a big big yeah. man, and he he wrapped them around here, and he just as you say, and the composure to strike the ball. And Daniel, one hundred percent, he was striking that ball with the outside of the foot towards that corner because the oh, keeper was going the other way. Absolutely, absolutely. And even, even the spot the keeper was a little off centre because he was out marking space. Like, I mean, I, I just... He, and, he, and, and Daniel, Daniel, no fist pumping, no fist pumping, no, no just the crowd, nothing, just straight out job, next yeah. job, next job, you know? Phenomenal. Um, he, I think it's interesting even having your having one of your influential players in the middle of the field. Like, I, I was just thinking as we we're talking there, like, let's say Clifford has, is a massive influence on Kerry, but an influence in a very different way, like a corner forwards influence. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's it's... Like I think last season, the, the the both sides of the picture in the game, you know, let's say corner forwards with the best will in the world, right? No different than cornerbacks. Corner forwards want the ball and they want it up that half, and they don't particularly yeah. want to be tracking back and all the rest of it. Cornerbacks want loads of cover, loads of numbers, uh, safety. He has, he's in the thick of everything, and he's able yeah. to sense. I think that game sense. I, I know I keep repeating myself, but the game sense he has. You're right. Phenomenal. No, you you're, you're completely right, Mark. You've seen him up close in the Derry Championship this year. Tell me this, Mark. Right. I did a piece for the Gaelic Life last year after the Cork game in the championship, me and the wife at the Cork game. Do you remember they played Cork and Crow Park? It was a double head of yeah. a double Mayo. Yes. Double, yeah. double head of a double Mayo. I just thought his positional sense when they lost possession was on a different planet. Now, I was sitting up behind the goals and I was just watching him. I was watching Derry's shape more than anything. And he always seemed to be the plus one, but he also seemed to be the man that was doubling up. He also seemed to be the man that was turning the man over. You know, it's just awareness to be where the danger is, is just on a, on a different scale. And Mark, he had some big turnovers in that game today. I'll need to watch it back, obviously, because it was, I, I watched it from an entertainment perspective, but I would say if I watched that back, he was probably doing little, little things. And as the great John Wooden used to say, the small things make the big things happen. And all those small things that Glass contributes, it just adds to the bigger picture then. Yeah, it's just to go back even to that Kill McCud game. It's big moments and big games. Like and it's 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 not just one game, it's every game. 
even last, I'm going back to Ulster final this year, the whole thing with Derry, Rory Gallagher, like he cut two balls out of him on the top of the D when Armagh were coming heavy and ta- he just, he just seems to do. He's a big player. Does he does? It's not even their big money. He he do he does the simple things maybe really really well, but at their big big times and games when they need them. Like to be fair, I make no Glenn were struggling today badly. He grabbed the game in the scruff of the neck. He was a boy dragged him back in. But I think that would give. I do think we didn't mention but Conlon McGuck and I know it wasn't a great as ball, but it was a. How many times would you have played that ball at that time? Yeah. Look, he maybe, yeah. it, it, but he, he looked up, he seen it, and he went for it. Now, to be fair, it wasn't a great ball, but Connor Glass looked made it. And you, I, I do remember you putting that tweet up. I'm thinking, Jesus, I don't think he's as good. I think he's good, but not. But it was only this year seeing Claire Penderry twice and then yeah. being involved with Slot Neil and just seeing him. And just got like massive, massive fan. He just Donny, Donny never ever doubt me, boy. Never ever. Ah, look, well, here, here, tell me this, tell me this quickly, right? Transfer market in the GA, quick one. A prime Fenton or a prime Glass, Daniel? Who would you sign? Um, different type of player, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and then different teams as well. Like I mean, Fenton on the front foot probably with Dublin an awful lot of the time. Fenton still is different level. Like I mean, his record speaks for, speaks for itself. You know, the All Ireland yeah. kind of backed that up. Um, yeah. <laughs> What a fucking stupid question. Why don't be annoying me with those fucking questions? Like, <laughs> Mark, you're not sitting the fence. If you had to pick one, Mark, who would you pick? At the minute, Connor Glass, for one, yeah. physicality. The physicality he brings to the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here, lads, listen, we're going to wrap it up. Before we wrap it up, I think it's a worthy mention uh, of of uh, Colley. I, I thought he had a brilliant game in the middle, Daniel. I thought he was brilliant today. Uh, I think yeah. he's one of the best referees. I watched him last year when he was refereeing Roscommon and Cork. He lets the game flow. He uses common sense. Now, I remember a referee saying to me, not a referee, sorry, one of these bloody assessors or something, and I remember the assessor saying to me one night when I challenged him about a certain referee, uh, common sense doesn't exist in the rules, and you're going, mother of God, like, this is what you're dealing with. like. But just having that wee bit of common sense, letting the game flow, not blowing silly things. You go back to last night watching the McKenna Cup final, Connor Kern refereeing the game, spotting a foul 80 metres away and running in and blowing the whistle and creating the leads. And you can just see the experience of Colley today. Really, really top class, Daniel. He actually, he kind of, he his trajectory followed mine. So he would have started out in Division 4 of our Cup games back in maybe 2000 and, oh God, I can't remember, 12, 13. And what, one thing that always stood out for me was, like we were, Division four and all of these, like, but he knew most of the players by name, and it was a small thing. It was a really small thing, but when he was talking yeah. to, him, he'd say, "Look, Daniel, that was for a pull in the jersey," and he couldn't really argue whether he agreed or disagreed. You're like, "Okay, fair enough." He's explained himself, and I think you can see that. Like, players very rarely got irate with him today, and I think that's because of his mannerism. You know, um, and yeah. I will say, I will say one thing for him though: the free at the end that he gave Ben O'Carroll to level it, or was it to get him back to win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. point. That was soft. Yeah. I thought that was soft. The one, oh, the one, sorry, the one to get back within a point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not, not the last. The last one was a, the last one was. A, and, a, and, and let, let, let's let's just for a second talk about that. Cynicism still works, boys. Like, oh. like <laughs> this, if that if that's a, if that's a twenty-one yard free for a pull down, that's a draw of game. He doesn't do it. You know, look, I'm not, look. I'd have been up on top of him. I'd have been dragging him down by the ears as well. Like, don't get you me wrong. Have, you might have had a wee. I've seen you put a wee hand across a man's face before. Actually, look, you were caught in that kind of crack. You're too negative. You're too negative, boys. But, but Mark, 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 on a serious note, though, Mark, Daniel hit a very, very important chord there, and I know I noticed it last night, boy. Like, I'm not getting a Connor Corn here. Right? Connor's a down referee. I'm not getting him. But like, I was watching Connor last night at McKenna Cup final, and just even the way he was handling players and pointing at them and, you know, and, and you're just going, ah, you know, that's an experience. Like, it was his first big, big game and you look at Collie today, as, as Daniel says, like, knowing the names, like, if you're playing Mark and the referee says, Mark, Mark, you're just a wee touch late there, you're going to have respect. Like, you're yeah, going to have respect. All, all like, automatically, all, all a referee called, like I said, I'm, I'm, I couldn't have a big fan of Brendan Collie. I, I actually love him referee and I think he's a brilliant referee, but he, look, it's a wee bit of respect both ways and it can't be, you know, about the teacher pupil this sometimes yeah. I hate a referee yeah. some referees I know I actually said this to a referee five or six years ago you remind me of somebody who was bullied at school and they end up you know I hate it's now he's talking to, I hate that sort of, I like a referee just a bit and you know players even along the line of a referee respect you if a referee's respectful to you you be respectable respectful Absolutely. back to him but Absolutely. I hate the referee that yeah. uses the point and it's nearly like you nearly think there's more referees than us. And look, it's the worst job in the world. But there is some referees I think he definitely was bullied at school. He's out here now to get his <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. 
Well, here, lads, listen, thanks a million. That was absolutely brilliant. It's been great to look back in the club season. Um, you know, we're, we're kicking off another season now, obviously, uh, the county season. Uh, it, it starts next week. Uh, Mark, all the best with you, with your your role with, with Wicklow, obviously. Uh, big, big challenge for you to stay in Division 3, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the target and the goal. Um, sure. You know, and Daniel, what's your what's your take then? Like just just a wee quick synopsis then next week. Like, a, who's your shakers and movers? Who, who do you see? Who do you see? Who do you see at the top of one? Who do you see coming out of two? Just quickly there, maybe. Uh, uh I don't know. I, I'm I'm one and two isn't really where the battle is at for the league. I don't think. Like, I mean, it's it's as Mark said, or as you're saying, but Mark, like it's, it's down three and four where the, where the real grunt will happen. Like. I, I I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where Dublin are at with their with, with a full squad again. They're always interesting to see. I like I yeah, like you've you've got the Donegal element, definitely Derry element when the boys come back as well. Like that'll be interesting to see Mickey Hart, Jim McGuinness, see how that goes. Like you've a lot of new managers. So there there'll probably be I wouldn't expect a wild league, to be honest with you. I think it could be a yeah. bit slow to get up and running, but yeah. um Look, looking forward to kind of looking forward to seeing what Donegal do. That that's just the interesting one. Everyone wants to see. They were it. last night, Daniel. They were poor last night. Yeah, again, would you? I don't know. I, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be reading too much in it. Mike, looking forward to the new challenge. Yeah, look. To be fair, it is it is a challenge. Look, just make no mistake. It's uh, it's just it's difficult. Just, we we know ourselves. Like myself, if you can stay in Division Three, it's yeah. it's a very very good thing. But it is look, it's a massive massive challenge. And I all, I'm a great one. <laughs> to be fair, I always remember Russian ringing me months ago. He says. A boy told me you love challenges, and I says I like challenges. I don't like suicide missions. And to be fair, he said to me after talking, "Look, and look, it's it's a challenge, but look, the national league. It's it's sometimes the brookies are wrong. They're not wrong all the time, but sometimes they're wrong." Yeah, well, tell me this, tell me this, Daniel. Like Division Three is a tough league because every team in it probably feels they can go up, and every team in it probably you know is could be in danger of going down as well if results don't go for them. Yeah, you know, Longford, Longford won the O'Byrne Cup. I tipped them this time last year, and I tipped them this time last year. And were they were they relegated? No, they weren't relegated, were they? They were, they were relegated, relegated, relegated last year. Relegated. So like, think, they're in four. Like that. That's yeah. you'd expect them to come out of four. Like, well, I think Waxford. I I think Waxford's dark or dark horse in Division Four. I I seen them a few weeks ago. They've a lot of big, big, strong <laughs> players. Mm. And Waxford definitely Division Four. It's a big year for Leitrim too, boys. Yeah, Leitrim, Leisure down there too. Yeah. Longford, Tipper. Like it's a every league's a like, and you even look Division Two. I think everybody says Armagh, Donegal. I think Cork, Cork won't be for Armagh, Cork, Donegal. Kevin Mulch, Kevin Mulch, another year under his belt. Yeah, him. look, and it's a big Division One. Yeah. Look, look how how, and I do think Monaghan. I know it's everybody says I think Monaghan's going to struggle this year, especially yeah. with Roy Beck. And look, I know Roscommon got a big win last night. It depends how Roscommon started. I think Roscommon played Tyrone next Sunday. The loser of that game is a big, big, big trouble. I'm hearing the word in the street in Roscommon is Kieran Murdoch's gone, uh, Kane McKeown's gone. Massive blow, big, strong, powerful uh, forward, strong runner. You'll probably not have Ben O'Carroll next week. You'll have, you'll have no some bridges boys next week. Then them boys will not be able to lift themselves next week. Like so, it will be difficult for them. But lads, listen, thanks a million. Um, we we we'll maybe we'll maybe get together for for a national league show, or whatever. If you are if you are free and and you have a bit of time to spare. But thanks very much and uh, well done to uh, Waddy Grahams and congratulations to him. And it's I suppose to finish, Mark. Do you remember nineteen eighty four where Tony Scullion's talking about? Sorry, Tony Scullion's talking about three. was black. Well, I'll tell you what, it'll be black the night. I'll tell you. I'm, I'm yeah, well, I, I actually I'm doing this. Neil Lamar and eight, so I'm, like, I'm just going to have to go uh, in the back road. You'll be in the middle of it. Be in the I'm, middle going, of it. I'm going to the back road. I wouldn't you'll, drive you'll in because no, my little car break down or something. There'll be a video of you in the middle of the celebrations, but Well, that's <laughs> definitely not happening. All right, lads. Thanks a million, lads. Thanks, Thanks, boys. Good. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. Bye.